0: I wanted to come up a moment ago and introduce a really good friend of mine. Stay standing for just a moment because the Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. Just because of the nature of a flow of worship, I didn't want to interrupt that. And, and I hate to even interrupt it now. But I, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to know a little bit more about an incredible man of God. Pastor Jimmy Rollins, who pastors I-5 City Church just right outside of, of Baltimore, Maryland. I could go through a list of accolades, and and I took some time on the internet to learn a little bit more about some of those great accomplishments. How God has used you and your wife and family to orchestrate not just a church, but a movement in that city. Seven years they've been the lead pastor of that incredible church, now with multiple services on a weekend, getting ready to launch more services, more campuses, thousands of people coming together to worship jesus it has just been overwhelming to see what god has done in you all and through you all but i want to talk to you on a personal level because a couple of years ago i was invited to sit at a round table discussion with a group of pastors from around the country and i call it favor and i'm not kidding by saying that god allowed me to sit next to pastor jimmy rollins and then end up at the same dinner table with him that evening and my life has never been the same he immediately adopted me as a friend which I appreciate, and he adopted me into that family. And he has poured into my life and into my family's life in significant ways. His story is quite similar to our story because seven years ago he took over his parents' church. And so in this season of transition and this assignment that God has had my wife and I in and our family, I have leaned on such wisdom and knowledge as he's helped us navigate of this incredible opportunity to stand in front of you all as your lead pastor and Pastor Jimmy I just want to say thank you he travels the country he travels the globe speaking all over for you to take time to come all the way to South Metro Atlanta to be here with us and to share the word that God has put in your heart bro I am forever forever grateful South Metro family you are in for an absolute treat tonight one of the greatest communicators of the gospel I've ever heard is about to step foot on this platform. And that's not to puff him up, but it's to show you the anointing that's on the inside of him. I believe tonight you're going to be challenged. Anybody need that? Or is it just me? You're going to be challenged. You're going to be stretched. Anybody need a little stretching? Come on. You might even find yourself getting uncomfortable at times. That's just the Holy Spirit at work. But I believe that we're all going to leave this place better than when we came. So would you do me the highest, highest honor in welcoming one of my dearest friends and special friends, Pastor Jimmy Rollins. Come on. South Metro, love on him. Come on, church. Come on.
1: What's up, South Metro? How y'all doing? Can we just lift our hands to heaven one more time? Come on, come on. I feel God's presence in this place. And I'll never know how much it comes to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know. How much it cost to see my sin upon the cross, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon. Because this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how, this is the posture. This is the posture of how you fight your battle surrendering to God. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm. Is there a church up in, come on, South Atlanta? I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by. You. One more time. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. By you. This is how I. Let me just for a second interrupt your worship for just a moment. And I have come to discover in my life that there's something that God does special with a heart that has a posture of surrender. And when I think about worship and when I think about singing songs into the Lord, I thank God that, you know, I I love the musicians and I love the piano players and I love the singers and I love the drummers but what I have come to discover is I can't take them to work with me and I, I can't take the worship team to the mall with me but I thank God that there's a spirit on the inside of me that knows how to posture itself at work and when all hell is breaking loose around me that I can create an atmosphere right where I am that I don't need drums and I don't need a worship team, but there's a song on the inside of my heart And if my heart will stay postured, I I, I just understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that no weapon formed against me is going to be able to prosper. And can't no devil in hell enter into the holy of holies. And what I have come to discover is I can find a holy of holies at the mall and and I can find a place of God's presence. Come on, somebody in the bathroom and I can find a place of God's presence postured at work and I can find a place in the presence of God come on somebody he prepares come on somebody a table for me in the presence of my enemies it don't matter because I don't fight my battle by throwing hands I fight my battle by laying hands come on somebody it may look like I'm surrounded So, just wanted you to remind yourself the power that you have within you. I want you to know that when you wake up, demons tremble. They're they're scared because purpose and destiny woke up in you when you get up. When come on somebody, somebody shouldn't have got up, somebody shouldn't be in their right mind, somebody should have died in the car accident, but God, thank you, you can have your seats in God's presence, I'm so honored uh, to be here, I'm so humbled uh, that God crossed JC and I's paths years ago come to know him and his amazing family and him and Kim, and can we just give it up for your pastors? Come on, somebody. I don't think that's good enough. Mm-mm. I tell our church, you know, when I, when I transitioned our church and I took over from my parents seven years ago and... Uh, we transitioned from Living Waters Worship Center to now I-5 City Church and and, uh, and I told our church years later, I said you're, you're only going to get out from me what you put in me and if you honor me and you honor the call of God and the authority that is on my life to step into this role then you'll get a pastor but if you cheapen that with history and you cheapen that with my youth. Then you only get what you put in, and so I. I and so we 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 begin to to transition, and it's absolutely amazing what God has done when there's two generations that's willing to have a successful handoff. And I don't know if you're familiar with track and field, but the most anticipated race in a track and field meet is the Four by four, or the four by one, and it's all about the handoff. And what I understand is, is uh, me and my dad have have had a successful handoff. And and as I was in worship this uh, this evening, I I was reminded that the success of the handoff is is not in just the successor, but the success of the handoff is also for the one passing the baton and. Bishop, <laughs> Mom, we just want to thank you for a good handoff, just a good handoff, and we honor you, and we love you, and we appreciate the handoff. And uh, I was thinking about this, and me and my dad often have talks. We play golf on Fridays and when I'm in town, and, and uh, he said to me one One Friday, he said, son, I have come to realize that my roadblocks are your hurdles. And when he told me that that day, I realized that whatever we do to win, whatever we do in success, that it it doesn't come. You cannot have success without succession. And So I thank God for a good transition. I thank God for a great transition that I was reminded of. A word that was spoken over me when I when I took over our church seven years ago and and transitioned it and uh, is that every transition begins with an ending and ends with a new beginning and I thank God for that that ending is not something that is is buried it's something that's planted it's something that can continue to go on and. I, and then we have a, a track and field ministry at our church. For about, We are all in outreach, and I didn't plan on sharing this, and this is not in my notes. So if you just let me uh, just illustrate this for a second. Um, when we're teaching the kids the four by one and, and the relay, the importance of the handoff, many uh, teams are fast, and they're great, and the vision is absolutely amazing. Their uniforms are great. They got great shoe game. But it doesn't matter unless the baton is not dropped. And I've come to realize that the the success of the baton transfer is not just in the person handing it or the person receiving it. It's also in the crowd watching it. And you may say, "Well, well, why is that? Because when you are encouraged and when there is a a team that will, will praise when they don't understand and won't put their mouth on something because they are confused or because they don't understand, but, but to just understand that if I can trust, I, I can trust this because dad is good with it and mom was good with it and I can trust this. And I, I come, I'm 44 years old, and I just come from a, a bad transition. We had a bad transition, it was awful at first, it was horrible. Um, so I've learned a lot and been able to share with J.C. and Kim just some of the stuff that we've learned. But what happens in, in, this, in this relay is on the approach of uh, just can I just use generations for, for illustrate on the approach when when the one generation is coming to give the handoff to the the preceding generation or the no not preceding. The next generation, we'll just say that. I was trying to sound fancy. Uh, There has to be a running start. And when there's a running start, there is the one who is in front are going to run and is allowed to do things and run in territory that the one passing the baton can't run in. Because it'll be a foul. And it doesn't matter how good the transition is. You have to stay in your lane. And so when, we, when we're teaching the kids this, it, we say stay tight to the side and we make sure that the next generation is getting a running start so that when the previous generation is coming, they don't have to stop. They can just hand the, hand the baton in stride. And then once the baton is handed in stride, the previous generation comes to a point where you can't go forward in that new thing because it'll be a foul. And there could have been a successful transfer of the baton, but they can get disqualified because because the next generation ran too soon and the former generation ran too much. And so what we have to do is pray that we understand where the former generation stops and the new generation starts. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in here, but I just sense that there's just such a presence of God. And I just want to encourage you to not allow your words to cause a foul. You see, when, when Joshua, when God called Joshua to march around the wall, so he says, right, like we know the scripture. And I'm, I got a message and I'm going to preach that. We're going to get to that. I just feel like I'm home, so I'm just talk to y'all like I'm home. And uh, when Joshua, when Joshua called, when God called Joshua, He said, "You know, He said for, for six days march around the the city one time." Somebody say once, once. So for six days, you know, we're gonna march around Jericho. Whew. Day two, day three, day four. Day five, day six, here's the deal. Not only did they tell them to march one time for six days, they also told them to be silent. Now, I don't know how you get over 600,000 soldiers not to say a negative word on something that God spoke. But what I get out of that is, is that God didn't want them to put their own understanding on something that was supernatural. And I'm challenging some of you, and some of you are clapping, but you're going to be challenged because you like your title. But what I have come to find out is it's hard to carry a title and a towel at the same time. And, and, and we have to make room for the new generation. We have to make room for what God wants to do. We have to make room for... God opening up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much that you don't have room for, to receive now. I, like, can you imagine six over 600,000 soldiers marching for one day, don't understand, and not allowed to put their mouth on it? <laughs> I think that's unity. Psalms 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It then says, there I command a blessing. What that tells me is that when God sees unity... He will release suddenly. About four of y'all said amen. And then I, I get to that passage of scripture, and it says, then on the, on the seventh day, right, you you got to march around seven times. Is that, is that the same Bible? We have the same Bible. I just want to make sure there's not a Baltimore version, an Atlanta version. So what that means to me is the last day is going to feel six times harder than every other day. You've been used to marching once for six days, and now you want me to do this seven times? I've on, I'm only used to doing this one time. What I feel the Holy Spirit saying is six times harder actually means 6 times closer. So I don't know what you're feeling right now pastors. I don't know what you're feeling right now church. I don't know if it feels 6 times harder. But don't quit. Just because it's 6 times harder cuz 6 times harder doesn't mean 6 times further. It means 6 times closer. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Is that all right? Well, God bless you. Thank you, awesome keyboard player. I love red keyboards because everything in our church is red, so you're just anointed because that keyboard is red. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Can we give it up for the worship team and the choir? And <laughs> uh, Well, I, my name is Jimmy, and I'm, I, I pastor a church called I-5 City and right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, Glen Burnie, Maryland, and God's doing some incredible things. And uh, I did transition our church over uh, six years ago. Uh, from my dad, it was Living Waters Worship Center and uh, and we transitioned uh, to I-5 uh, Church and it's been absolutely amazing. It was a great first day. We, have a, we had a great first day. We had a Gideon Revival. Some of y'all catch that? All 12 board members left the first day and about 600 people the first day I started. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm very facetious. Uh, but God's been doing some incredible things since then and And uh, I I, I wish I had someone to encourage me during those seasons with that same kind of word, that six times harder is actually six times closer. Uh, Because what God has been doing uh, in I-5 in Baltimore has been absolutely amazing. I'm so honored. I'm so blessed. I'm so humbled that God teams up with people like us to change the world. I thank God that he doesn't choose us because of us, but he chooses us in spite of us. Uh, And so I'm just... uh, A Humble vessel trying to trying to just do honestly just trying to stay out of God's way Uh, Just to be honest with you. That's the word of the year for our church Let's do everything we can do to stay out of God's way Let's not put our words or our hands on what God's doing Uh, And it's it's pretty cool Uh, once again to your awesome pastors uh, my friends. I just love you guys and uh, excited I'll preach here tonight and and uh, in Atlanta right Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know where I'm at Uh, (laughs) I'll preach in Pennsylvania on Friday night. I'll preach in Houston on on Sunday uh, and next week, I'll preach somewhere else, and I just thank God that I have never know where I'm at. Come on, somebody, just, uh, uh, but I do feel like I'm at home with friends tonight, and that's absolutely awesome. So uh, God bless you. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me. I, I have a word from the Lord uh, for your church, um, I, and the Lord, in the beginning of the year, uh, every year I pray in the beginning of the year, like, that God would, like, give us a word for the year. Like, in, in our in our context of church, come on, in black church, that, that's what I I pastor, come on somebody, I'm just letting y'all know, uh, like New Year's Eve service is the service, come on somebody, and, and everybody comes wanting a word from the Lord for New Year's Eve, I, and right before New Year's Eve, I saw this meme, and this meme is, if you don't have social media, uh, it's, it's, like a, it's like a picture, and it's kind of sarcastic, and, and, uh, and there was a lady, on, 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 on they had taken a picture of this lady on this meme, and she was like this, And the meme says, my pastor has about three more days before the clock turns for everything that he spoke over my life, come on, somebody, to happen this year. And so there's a lot of pressure on us, man, as pastors. Like, we got to come up, in my context, with the word of the year. And it's got to be tweetable. Come on, somebody. Like, it's got to sound good. It's got to have an alliteration. And so I just want to take you back for a second for a couple of of, of words that I've had in different years. How about changing me in 2003? Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'm getting in the mix in 2006 come on going to heaven in 2007. (laughs) Now if you know anything about CP time I was like we're not gonna be late in 2008 (laughs) and then because we were late come on somebody I was like a little less sin in 2010 I'm not going to be overwhelmed in 2012. You guys see, it don't really work, right, do it? So I was thinking of a word uh, for our our church for for 2018, and and I was trying to figure it out. Like, you know, I'm going to be pristine in 2018. Don't really work. But the word of the Lord uh, spoke into my heart uh, that I've only shared a couple times is this year it's time to cross over. Can you look at the person next to you and says it's time to cross over? That's what I'd like to preach uh, to you uh, for the time that I have, a message that I believe is for your church. It's time to cross over. Joshua chapter 1, uh, and then we'll go to, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of work through Joshua 1, and, and uh, I, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I'm just going to lay in there. I'm just going to just lay in Joshua uh, chapter 1. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I love how he concludes this. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. What I see here in the scripture is God is setting up a nation to cross over. God has something in store that's more than what they've ever had before. But he's saying, listen, I've got something for you. I've got new territory for you. But you're going to have to let go of some things in order for me to fill your hand with new things. So I want to talk to you about, from the topic, it's time to cross over. I get a chance to fly a lot, and I I just got back from South Africa. I actually preached uh, at Hillsong South Africa uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I preached at the art conference. Come on, shout out to Pastor Dino Rizzo, my pastor. He's an amazing man of God. Come on, can we just give I know you don't know him, but he's preaching here next year. He's going to be here in February. I get a chance to travel, and here's the deal about traveling. Like, the worst thing you ever want to do when you travel is when you're booking your flight is being a layover. Come on, somebody. Anyone love layovers? I've never seen someone who loves layovers. Like, yeah, I'm just i going to look for a flight, and what I'm going to do is trying to find the the longest, come on, somebody, place that I can, you know, be halfway between where I am and where I'm going. And so, uh, you know, there's a couple of cities that we've had layovers in. And one of the places that we had a layover in once is London. Now this is an amazing layover, I'm telling you. That they have a they have a Gordon Ramsay restaurant in the London airport. Come on, somebody! Like, I'm a professional eater, so I was like, come on, somebody! <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Come on, somebody! Gordon Ramsay up in. Come on. Uh, uh, uh. And so I love that layover. Not only did they have the Gordon Ramsay restaurant, they had massage chairs. Come on, just 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 getting. Getting massaged, you know, then they had these like they had this mall like in the airport and and so i don 't know about you, but I like to floss like I can afford the stuff that i 'm walking in, but i can't, so I just I kind of just walk in there, yeah, I like that, can I see that please? Come on, credit cards maxed up, can I see that too, please? <laughs> got more month than I got money, come on, can I see that too, please, and then I get it, and I look at it, and no, i 'm not interested ma'am I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not interested just just this. Layover is absolutely incredible. And and what I have come to find out is layovers can be comfortable. And when I start thinking about a layover, I I realize that some layovers can be so comfortable that I forget that I even have a final destination. And then there's other layovers. Layovers. There's layovers like Mississippi. Now, I, don't, I apologize if there's anybody here from Mississippi, but I went to Mississippi one time, and I had a layover, and I was like, I, I don't know if, I, if this is Mississippi burning. I don't know what's going on. I, I felt like this ain't the place for me. Come on, somebody. And I, and I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I saw this one guy. Come on, somebody. He had three teeth, one in his mouth, two in his pocket. And I'm like, Oh. Like, there was no restaurant, there was, no, there was nothing to feed me, there was nothing that was not comfortable. Any of y'all ever been in a layover where you don't feel comfortable? There's more month than you got money, you're frustrated, you're broken down, you've been praying, you've been stuck between a prayer and a promise. And I have found out that many people are stuck in layover seasons. Some are stuck in layover seasons because they're comfortable. Some are stuck in layover seasons because, you know, they've done it. It, it, This is all good. There's nothing else required from me. It took me everything to get here. But I want you to know that where you are right now is not where God has ordained you and destined you to be. There's also other people that are frustrated and upset and you're stuck between a prayer and a promise and you've been praying and crying and you've been standing and you've been believing God and you feel like you're in a see-nothing season and you feel like nothing is feeding you and, and you're reading your Bible, you're tired of going through the motions. I came to tell you that you were not meant to live in a season of transition. Layover seasons. We got people who are comfortable and complacent. When you're in a layover season, you have accepted frustration as your final destination. In a layover season, you have this survival mentality rather, rather than this I'm going to thrive mentality. You've spent so much time and energy and strength getting here that you're not sure if you have what it takes to get to the next place. Layover seasons. Layover seasons is like when you feel like you're between a prayer and a promise. Layover season is when you've got uh, external joy on the outside, but internally you're emotional, and internally you're frustrated, and you're bleeding underneath of your clothes spiritually and emotionally, and everybody says, how you doing? And you say blessed, and you've, you've come to use this church jargon where you feel like you can't be real because you don't know how people are going to judge you if they really understood what you're going through. Layover seasons. You've become fallen. and and overwhelmed, and overworked, and exhausted, you know that where you are is not where God intended you to be, and you've just accepted, well, maybe I should just stay here. You might have the mentality in a layover season with this language, this is good enough. Layover seasons. We've got leaders and layovers. We've got churches and Layovers, you gotta know you got a call of God on your life, but you're not sure because maybe you made a mistake in your life and, 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 and you feel like that you're not qualified, come on somebody, for what God has for you. When you're in a layover season, you used to be the first one to church, you used to have your hands up in worship, you used to know all the songs, but now church has become dismal, you don't show up like you used to show up. You may be, you may be walking and you show up, but your spirit has not shown up and you're in a layover season you were not meant to live in transition you were not meant to live in transition can i encourage you with this just this one thought before i dig deep is where you are is not a sentence where you are is just a season god is not mad at you god is madly in love With you, but he wants to do something not just in you but through you, so he must develop you in a layover. Seasons, can you touch the person next to you and say, It's time to cross over, it's time for your mindset to cross over, it's time for your heart to cross over, it's time for your expectation to cross. Over, It's time for your worship to go to another level. It's time for you to learn how to shut yourself up in the prayer closet like you used to and not come out until you got a word from God. It's time for you to wrestle with the angel. Come on, somebody, until he touches. Come on, somebody, the hip, the socket of your hip, and says, God, I won't let go until you bless me. I am crossing over. My kids are going to cross over my Church is going to cross over. My finances are going to cross over. My mindset is going to cross over. My hope is going to cross over. My joy is going to cross over. You got to learn how to speak those things that be not as if they already Word, you got to learn how to, even when you don't feel it, to speak it. Even when you don't see it, to speak it. Come on, somebody. you got to learn how to not let your situation dictate your Savior. you got to learn how to let your situation drive you to a revelation of who God is in the next season of your life. I'm coming out of this. I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. I'm going to get to the other side. We didn't invested too much on this side. We didn't stay here for too long. We have struggled for too long. We have sweated for too long. We have been churning. <laughs> Any of y'all ever felt like you've been on a treadmill? You've been running fast but not going anywhere. I'm here to tell you, it's time to get off of the treadmill of complacency and the treadmill of fear and the treadmill of doubt and cross over. Come on, somebody! I believe God is going to accelerate this church in the next season. That God is going to accelerate. You in the next season of your life. I'm crossing over. See, when you cross over, you are declaring that I'm moving from mourning to moving, I'm moving from being broken down to being broken from the Lord. I'm not fleeing the thing anymore. I'm too free for that. I'm not pacing about it. I'm going to be praising about it. I'm not just declaring it. I'm going to dance on it also. I'm not just going to dream about it. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to move from just enough to more than enough. I'm going to move from weakness to strength. I'm going to move from mixture to mission, from a slave mentality to a son mentality. Does anybody want to cross over? I know. I know. That it might be all good and your bills might be paid and your rent might be be paid and your mortgage might be paid. And your car, come on, you got enough money and you paying your car. But where you are is not where God called you to be. It's time to cross over. It's amazing to me as I read this passage of scripture how God starts off just this. Declaration or this command to cross over, with what sounds like to me as a harsh statement. He says, after the death of Moses, the Lord came and spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, "Moses is dead." Now, 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 I'ma be real with you. Any of y'all have? Any y'all have any friends that keep it real? I'm talking about like sometimes. It, they keep it so real, you're not sure if they're empathetic. <laughs> any of y'all got any people like that? That's me. I'm that friend. I'm that friend. You know, if you call me crying, like, I, I love you, I trust you, I'll hug on you, but I won't tell you the truth. Come on, somebody. Like, can you imagine, like, come on, Joshua has walked with Moses. Joshua has been with With Moses all this time, Joshua has been on the outside of the tent watching Moses call down fire from hell. Like, all this stuff is happening. Manna is coming down. Joshua is his homeboy. Joshua been been, been rolling with Moses. Joshua didn't see him. All these things happen. All these miracles happen. Come on, somebody. Manna from heaven. I mean, things are happening. and I'm sure Joshua uh, was accustomed to being with Moses. I'm sure Joshua loved, uh, come on, the tutelage of Moses. I'm sure Joshua loved to be Taught by Moses, I'm sure Joshua watched as Moses taught the people, and Joshua watched as Moses built the tent, and Joshua watched as, as Moses led a nation, and 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 I, I you know, and I can imagine Joshua calling on God, saying, "God, man, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this? You know, I, you know, I just lost my, my grandmom two weeks ago, and I just did her funeral." on Saturday to Saturday and I mean I was calling on God like man God how am I gonna hurt and help people at the same time? I'm hurting but I gotta help people at the same time. Now can you imagine Joshua calling on God, what am I gonna do? And God says, Moses dead. That don't sound very empathetic to me. That don't sound very peaceful. You know, like, like God, like, like, did we lose cellular communication? Did something happen? Like, did I miss something? And he says, God, can, can you clarify? Moses is dead. What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this really God? You know what I mean? Like, can I speak, no, to the king of kings? I don't want the secondary one. Like, can I speak? Is this an angel? Is this, I mean, who is this? Moses is dead. Huh? God is saying, listen, you're going to have to realize that in order to step into a new season, you're going to have to leave the old season behind. This is not a pronouncement of death. Like, I love it because he already knows that Moses is gone, so this can't be a pronouncement of death. Like, this isn't new news to Joshua. Like Joshua probably went to the funeral. Come on, somebody. And if it was Aretha Franklin's funeral, he'd have been there all day. <laughs> Joshua probably went to the funeral. He, he probably sang in the choir. Come on, somebody. Like, like, like Joshua probably did the eulogy. And what I've come to find out that this statement, Moses is dead, is not a pronouncement of death, but an announcement of a new life. He's saying, Moses dead. He's saying, Joshua, I got more in store for you. Not he's saying, Joshua, I got something for you to do. He's saying, Joshua, stop trying to live in dead-end seasons. I've been ready in you. I'm ready to shift you. I've got more in store for you. There's a generation that's yet to be seen. There's another anointing that I'm about to release. There are more people in the city that you gotta go after. Listen, Joshua, Moses is dead. Joshua, you're no longer a church on a block, you're a city on a hill. Moses is dead. We gotta take this thing to a whole nother level. Moses is dead. There's more people to reach. His roadblocks are your hurdles. Moses is, is dead, Joshua. I'm not gonna leave you in limbo. I feel the Lord saying that we need to stop living in, in deadened seasons. I wondered as I read scripture why nowhere, oh well, no one knew where Moses was buried. No one knew. Like the Bible explicitly says that. And I said, could it be that if they knew where he was buried, that they would continue to try to visit things that are dead? I can't keep visiting things that are dead. I can't keep saying, well, that's the way we used to do it. And and, and, and that's the way. And and, and that's not how we're doing it. And God is saying, Moses is dead. I'm I'm transitioning your season. I know you feel rejected, but that's actually, that rejection is actually your protection. Moses is is dead. Uh, I'm shifting your anointing. I'm shifting your authority. I'm shifting... Your access, see, any of y'all ever ended up in a dead end? Come on, you ever, yeah. you ever drove to a dead end? Come on, come on, come on. Like, like you saw the signs. <laughs> any of y'all have GPS in your car? Come on, or on your phone? Any of y'all, like three of y'all? The rest of y'all need to Upgrade. I love the GPS. I love the GPS. And, man, as soon as I get a land and I got to find a church or find a hotel, I put in my address. And I loved how the Israelites put in the address to the promised land. And, and uh, they put in the address and the GPS system, the, the global positioning system. Come on, somebody. The God positioning system. I'm trying to make it holy. And, and, I, and I love the GPS because sometimes I don't know what's going on, but maybe I take a wrong turn, maybe I had a bad attitude, maybe something's not going right, maybe maybe, maybe I'm not sure, maybe I'm in a, a season of being confused, and I end up in a dead end. What I love about the GPS system is there's never a dead end, like the GPS system is like the Holy Spirit come on somebody, you end up in a, in a dead end, and all of a sudden the GPS system, just like the Holy Spirit says, recalculating, come on somebody, I know you thought you were in a dead end, and I, and I know you thought It wasn't going to work out. And and I know you thought you took the wrong job. And I know you thought you, you yeah. I hear, I feel the Holy Spirit saying recalculating. I believe there's a church that's recalculating. I believe there's some leaders who God is recalculating. I believe there's some pastors who God is recalculating. You thought you were in a dead end season. You thought it wasn't going to work out. You thought it was over. But come on, somebody, the promises of God are yes and amen. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I'm just getting started. It's not over. I love how Romans 8 28 says that he works all things together for the good of those who he has called according to his purpose. What that tells me, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. I dare about 300 people to stand up on your feet and shout, Recalculating. I thought I came to an end. Recalculating. I thought the marriage was over. Recalculating. I thought I wanted to get rid of them kids. Recalculating. I thought I I found bankruptcy, recalculating. I thought the house got foreclosed on, recalculating. God will never leave you or forsake you. I think what I had said was, as I tell our church, what had happened was, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. So I'm going to wake up. If it's not good, God's not done. If the marriage ain't good, I'm not done because God's not done. If I ain't getting my way, I'm not done because God's not done. For the promises of God are yes and A. Calculating. Calculated. I've been recalculated. Uh, can I just pause here for a second and just say something that's not in my notes? See, you may see a preacher on the stage, and when we were transitioning our church and we all lost all those people, God began to send all kinds of people. I mean, we went from 300 to, a th- to 1,100 in one year. It was crazy. Problem was, is I had prayed for something that I wasn't capable of handling. And and I was out preaching on the road and, and I was building a church but losing a marriage. I was building a church but not building my family. I was building ministry but not building a marriage. I was doing religious stuff but not doing relational stuff. I, I thank God for this recalculating anointing. I know you may think it's a cute preaching point, but you have no idea how God has connected the dots of my life. And 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 watch this now. And so as I was building a church, now we've been pastoring, I want you to do the math for seven years now as a lead pastor. And four years ago, as I was pastoring everybody else's church and preaching on everybody else's stage, and neglecting my house and neglecting my marriage and neglecting my kids, my wife started drinking. And that that one glass of wine turned into three or four bottles a night, turned into full-on alcoholism. And I, I, I was praying for other people's marriages, and they were getting restored and healed, but I was losing my own. I thought it was over. I started looking for another job. I thought the church was done. I thought it was all over. And we, if you've watched the show Intervention... We did, we did an intervention, and I, I was doing an intervention just so that when I left her, like, she would be able to parent my kids. I got three. I got a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 13-year-old. And I thought it was all over, but I thank God for the recalculating anointing. I thank God. Listen, my wife, I'm pastoring the church, and my wife went away to rehab for 45 days. I was a single dad. As a pastor, nobody in our church knew. Mm -hmm. I felt counterfeit. I felt afraid. I felt what I shared with your pastors when they stepped into taking over this church. I said, protect the thing that's most important, and that's your marriage. And I just want you to know that when, when you, like, put your mouth on, like, the church, and when you talk about transition and things that... I I tell our church, this: don't complain or talk about something to somebody who has no ability to change what you're talking about. See, what you don't know, what you don't understand is those attacks are not on the church. Those attacks are on the marriage. And so we lost our, I thought it was all over. Sean, who's on our board, I'd called him and I said, "He's he's he's a lawyer. And I called him and said, man, I need you to draw up the divorce papers. Can you imagine calling somebody on your board? Thought it was over, but God. My wife came home. The counselor told my, told me, she said, you can't leave her. I said, why not? You don't know the pain I went through. She says, yes, I do. I'm your counselor. Come on, somebody. I know it all. And she says, but if you leave now, you're going to miss the new Irene. And I said, but I'm hurt and I'm. And I'm, and I'm sad, and I'm upset, and, I'm, and my heart is hurting. And then she said, well, when she comes back, you got to let the new Irene minister to the pain that the old Irene caused. <laughs> and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit start recalculating my joy and start recalculating my hope and start recalculating, come on somebody, my faith and can I tell you this November, we will celebrate three years, sobriety three years that God has redeemed what I thought was over, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know if you feel like you're in a layover season, I don't know, but I just want to come all the way from Baltimore that says God is about to upgrade you, God is about to recalculate you I want you to start speaking those things that be not as if they already are I am the head and not the tail I'm first and not last greater is he no weapon formed against me shall prosper I'm gonna get through this I'm coming all the way through this I'm coming out on the other side of this I'm not gonna quit I'm gonna praise I'm gonna shout I'm gonna dance cause God ain't finished with this yet And for the people who says, well, all is well with me, that's not my testimony. Well, just because you're freed don't mean you're finished. Uh-huh. What I have struggled with in this, in my ministry, been in ministry for over 25 years now. And some of y'all are like, "Would you start when you were 10? No. I'm 44, and what I realized is is that, like, every time I think I run out, God, like, pours more. Like, does that make sense? Like, every time I think I'm done, I find strength in worship. I find strength in praise. I find strength in getting together with the brethren of, of the church. And what I don't understand is this, and I wrote this down this afternoon as I was in my hotel room. There are some people that I'll never be able to understand, they would rather go back to slavery and have a guaranteed meal as a slave than rather to trust God in freedom as a son. you got to learn how to trust God just because you are not in Egypt anymore. Don't think that you can just be comfortable on this side of where God has called you to be. You are not meant to live in transition. There are four things that I want to quickly tell you that, God, if you want to get to the next part, if you want to cross over, if you want to get out of this dead end season, number one, arise. He tells Joshua, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, Joshua, Arise. God is commanding Joshua to get up. And if he's he's telling Joshua to get up, that means he might be in a lying down position. God wants to move him from here to there. His expectation is lying down. His confidence is lying down. His faith is lying down. God has an appointment for him, but he's stuck in disappointment, and he's lying down. As I studied this passage of Scripture, I wanted to study, like, what were seasons of mourning like? So Moses died, and now everybody's supposed to be in a season of mourning. Like, like when people were in seasons of mourning, it says feelings of grief were expressed immediately after a person died. They would mark their bodies and sprinkle dust and ashes and put on sackcloth, and they would, and they would weep out loud and, and wail, and they would stop eating and starve themselves. Family would come and visit the houses. They would hire professional mourners to mourn when they couldn't mourn for themselves. Any of y'all ever hired a a professional mourner? Uh Uh-huh. You don't think you have. They're called friends. (laughs) Some of us, we have dead-end friends and dead-end relationships and people that love you up to the point that you might pass them. God is saying, man, you, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to fire the dead in friends. He's saying, Joshua, arise. He's saying, Joshua, I want you to cross over. That word arise means to stand up. It means to arise. It means to become hostile. It means to become powerful. It means to take on a stance of readiness. I have come to find out That God will bless you at your level of expectation. We've got to arise again. We've got to have expectation again. Years ago I had surgery on my back. I'm talking about I had a a herniated disc, in L4 and L5 on my back. To the point where I could not get up in the morning. I would wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and have to crawl to the bathroom. All the nerve is going to my leg, and I was trying to go to chiropractic, and it didn't work. And I was like, they told me I was going to have surgery. And if you're a male, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we don't handle that well. Like, I'm a big baby when I get sick. Anybody with me? Like, you'll be honest. Right here. I don't like needles. Come on, somebody. Like, I think the IV is just bad enough. Just, what do you mean I got to get an IV? And so, man, I had to have surgery, and and, I, and and I went under the knife. And they said, you know, the surgery is going to take about four hours. And 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 what I have come to find out is sometimes huh, the pain of recovery is far worse than the pain of the injury. So I wake up from surgery, and I wake up to—I don't want to offend anybody again, but Nurse Betty. Nurse Betty was about 600 pounds. She had a mole on the side of her face. I looked at my wife I said, did I die? Because if this is the last woman that I ever see, God really don't like me. Come on, somebody. And you know what Nurse Betty said? She said, boy, I'll never forget, you got to get out of that bed and walk. I said, excuse me. I start talking to my wife, you hear what Betty's saying? I'm like, get behind me Satan, come on somebody. And Nurse Betty looked at me, and she grabbed my hand. I had just come out of surgery. I had just been wounded. I had just been cut on. And Nurse Betty grabbed my hand, and she said, you got to get up. And she said something. Come on, somebody over seven years ago that will preach today. She grabbed my hand, and she said, son, God will heal you as you go. And I began to do laps, and I came all the way from Glen Burnie, Maryland, to say, oh, Rise, Joshua. I know it hurt. I know it was ugly. I know you got betrayed. I know they lied on you. But God will heal you as you go. I dare you to get up on your feet and start walking. I dare you to walk in place and say, God bless me as I go. Bless me as I get up. I got to get out of this bed of depression. I got to get out of this bed of fear. I got to get out of this bed of doubt. God bless me as I go. God bless me as I go to work. God bless me as I go to the mall somebody got to get up I dare you to tell three people, arise, arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I dare you to get up off of your feet and give God a praise right now and tell the enemy, you thought you had me, but I know too much now to stop here. I got to get up, arise 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 weeping may endure for a night what you didn't realize when you read that scripture midnight only lasts 60 seconds so go ahead and cry over it one more time because weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning I feel like South Metro is coming into a place of joy and what you have sowed in tears you're about to reap and joy well I get about 200 people to stand up on your feet and give God about a 30 second praise break right now come on hey hallelujah i'm gonna dance i'm gonna shout i'm not gonna let my circumstances dictate come on somebody my praise i'm getting up from here arise number two He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. What God is saying is, first, arise. Number two, he's saying, take possession. Come on, somebody say, take possession. possession. What God was saying is, J.C. and Kim, I've got new territory for you. What he was saying is, is, I got new authority for you. What he's saying it was, is there some leaders that aren't even here yet that's going to have your heart and your vision. What he's saying is, is God was saying, Joshua, you are about to have new authority in places that haven't been walked on before. <laughs> like, ownership. He's saying, no longer... Do you have to wait to bring people to church? I'm going to put church in the people. And the people are going to take the church to the city. Church don't start when service starts. Church starts when service is over. Because I am the church. Come on, somebody. When I show up, the kingdom of God shows up with me. I got a network. Come on, Verizon customers. I got a network. When I show up, angels show up with me. I've got new authority. The Lord told me to tell you, be careful not to have more fear in your heart than you notice the fruit in your hand. There's more fruit than you think. There's more for you than against you. Come on, somebody. So a couple years ago, I was preaching in Jacksonville. And we went. When I I used to be a professional eater. <laughs> I used to weigh 420 pounds. I know I'm bringing sexy back. So. <laughs> I'm sorry if that offended you. My wife seems to think so. But... I went to a restaurant. And you ever know, you ever know, you know a good restaurant, I love seafood. And so, we were looking for a good seafood restaurant, so I went, you know, you can tell us a good restaurant when they give you the little thing that says, when this light goes off, your table is ready. What that means is there was a long line. Come on somebody, and I was a professional eater, and don't like a long line. And so we went to the restaurant, and we're waiting, And we're sitting there, beautiful night, and I'm talking to my wife, the line is long. And I don't know about y'all, but God is, like, still working with me on some areas. And uh, sometimes I can go back. Sometimes the ghetto ain't all the way out of me. Under the right circumstances, I'll set it off. Just got to make sure them people don't go to my church first. Come on, somebody. And so I'm sitting there waiting and all of a sudden this little cute couple walks and, and they cut in line. And see, I get, I go back like, I my wife knows, like she knows, she start patting me on the leg, because she knows I'm about to set it off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, and I get get I get, I start talking. Like, I don't want a response. I'm just talking. Did you see what just happened, girl? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that they just cut? Oh, I can't even believe it. I'm about to set it off. And my wife is tapping me on the leg. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. (laughs) And so they didn't set this couple down at my table. It's my table. I was in line for that table. That bread they was eating, my bread. That napkin they unfolded, my napkin. Get your lips off my water. That's my menu. So I did what any ex-ghetto folk would do. I walked over to the hostess and I said, "Skill me, What had happened was, I had been sitting in line, waiting, because I go all the way back, waiting for my food. And y'all, the little beeper didn't go off. Y'all done got something wrong. And the little girl said, so what would you like me to do? I said, call sister girl over here. So she called, she said, what happened? Come on, somebody. I had somebody talking my language. She said, oh, really? I'm going to take care of that. Come on, take your earrings off. And she said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, tell them to get up. (laughs) True story. And she said, are you serious? I said, absolutely. So she went over there and had a little conversation. And all of a sudden, he backed away from the table, putting my napkin down, putting my piece of bread down, Put my water down and walk by me to walk of shame. Come on, somebody. And I was like, that's my food. Pastor, what are you trying to say? When God told Joshua to take possession, he said, don't sit back and wait in line. Don't sit back. Take authority. That's my community. That's my city. Come on, somebody. Those are my people. Come on, somebody. That's my kids. You got to learn how to take possession of what God has for you. I'm here to tell you, South- Metro. There are people that you have not seen yet that you got to start calling sheep right now. I'm telling you the crime is about to go down in this city because this city belongs to you. We're not stopping until we make Jesus famous in this city. Them kids, they're our kids. That high school, they're our high school. That mall, that's our mall. That property, you better go dance on it. I feel that God is canceling debt right now I have learned I have learned how to speak a word and how to walk on something that don't belong to me because I didn't come by my own strength, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I dare you to walk on it until it changes. I dare you to walk on it until it obeys the command of your voice. The Bible says if you've got the faith of a mustard seed, then you can move mountains. You might not be able to praise in a, in, in the key of F sharp. You might not be able to praise in the key of C. You might cannot I tie two notes together, but what you got is a march. I dare you, Joshua, to start taking possession and walking around your kid's future until you see it change. Walking around the city until you see it change. Walking around sickness until you see it change. Walking around a diagnosis until you see it change. Somebody say, take possession. Number three, remember. I love this he says no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life he says as I was with Moses so shall I be with you now I used to be a headhunter I found jobs for computer consultants and what I would find is that I would always look for the most qualified candidates. And how I would find them, the most qualified candidates, there was a website called Monster. And I would go to Monster and I would download resumes. And I could tell a person's worth based on the history of what they've overcome, the history of what they've conquered, the history and the accolades of what they've done. Problem here, Is no, uh, 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 not, there's not one Israelite that was in Egypt that's gonna cross over. So there's got to be generational diversity and legacy for the older generation to tell the stories of what God has done and what God did in Egypt. Now, I love this church because what I see is one generation passing on the baton to the next generation, telling them the remember when stories. I thank God that all we have to do in times when we feel like we're all by ourselves is look back at God's resume and see what the Lord has done done. I'm here to tell you I, we, we're, we're getting land and buildings and everything and I love him, my dad because I wasn't there when they believed God for the first building I wasn't there I wasn't on the prayer team come on somebody I, I can't remember so I love the fact that there's an older generation what I want to say is, is there's room for you here too. Come on somebody yes there's a new fresh leader Yes, there's new fresh vision, but there is, come on, somebody, there are some hymns. That's why I love my grandmother's funeral, because, I, I you know, we, we have lost singing about the blood. I love that my grandmother's funeral, they said, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died upon the cross. I know it was the blood that saved me. My, and I was like, what is the? Well, what is that? And my mom said, no, you got to learn how to plead the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you a story that when we didn't have money and when we prayed, I love that there's an older generation in our church that knows how to shut themselves up in a prayer closet, that knows how to pray and intercede for the things of God, that knows how to, come on, somebody, learn how to stay in there until we get a word from the Lord. Every Sunday I walk to the prayer line and I go to the older people's line and I say, lay hands on me because you had faith when faith didn't materialize into a new car. You had faith when faith didn't materialize into a new house. Faith, come on, somebody, just showed up and it wasn't circumstantial. Thank God that there are people that have a resume of God's faithfulness in your life. Is there anybody that has a resume of God's faithfulness in your life? Ty Tribbett says it like this. If he did it before... He going to do it again. Same God right now. Same God back then. JC and Kim if he did it before, he's going to do it again. Dad thank and mom thanks for passing on faith. Thank for passing on stick to itness. Thank for passing on hope cuz I'm here to tell you y'all ain't seen nothing yet. I feel that the best is yet to come for South Metro Church. Come on somebody. Do you remember when he protected you? Do you remember when his hand was on your life? Do you remember when you survived a car accident? Somebody else lost their mind, but you still in your right mind. God had you. God protected you. God parted the Red Sea. God sent you to Moses with a stick. I mean, the Pharaoh with a stick and a stutter. You got to have a generation of people who can tell a story. He says, remember, and I close with this. One of the thoughts that I had about remembering is when you remember, you become thankful. When you become thankful, you get filled with expectation. And when you get filled with expectation, you begin to praise God like it don't make sense. Have you ever been praising God and the victory ain't happened yet? You know what I have found out about praise, Pastor? It's praise. When I sow praise and see nothing seasons, I will reap victory for something that I haven't even come up against yet. I'm here to tell you that God is already working on the solution before you even know that there's a problem. you got to learn how to pray see nothing seasons. If you remember, you'll give God praise. He says, arise. He says, take possession. He says, remember... The last point, he says, prepare. Look at Joshua 1, verse 10 and 11. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp. And command the people, saying, prepare provisions. Because in three days, you're going to cross over. To go and possess the land that the Lord God has given you to possess. I love in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says it this way. It says, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow, I will do wonders among you. Like, I know how to shout, I know how to, I, I love all that, but there's nothing like sanctifying ourselves, man. There's nothing like preparing ourselves for God to do something amazing in us. So when I started Our Five Church, we started a, a nonprofit profit uh, organization to, to minister to kids and young people, and we had... Seven people in our track. We started a track and field ministry. People was like, Well, why are you starting track and field? I was like, Cause you won't take Jesus outside the foot walls of the church, so I will. And so we started a track and field program with seven kids. Today there's over 250 kids in it, and we just sent our sixth athlete on a full ride D1 scholarship to USC. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something that you've never done before, you're gonna have to sacrifice something that you refuse to give up before. So when we started this nonprofit, I wanted to have this after-school program. And so we started this after-school program, and it was awesome. Like I loved it, I loved it, but we ain't had nothing. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just got vision in an empty building. And we needed furniture, we needed computers, we needed chairs, we needed all this stuff, and this company in Washington, D.C. heard that we were doing this program for children. And so I remember getting a call, I'll never forget it, and said, sir, can I speak to uh, Pastor Jimmy Rollins? And I was like, yeah, this is him. And he said, well, our business is moving, and uh, because we're moving, we're going to be getting rid of some of the desks, and we'd like to donate those to you. And I'm telling you, I did a Jericho march around that place, I, I shouted, I Come on, somebody. I sowed seed. I prophesied. I, I was so excited. And he says, but you got to get down here in like just a couple days. And so it was like I told my, my executive pastor, that's his title now. Back then, he was just my boy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I said, go rent a truck. And he says, how much money I got? I said, we ain't got none, so just get a truck. He said, we're just getting some dust. So we got the truck. And uh, he, we drove down to the city. I'm telling y'all. Back then, we had some Hezekiah Walker on. We, we, we were shouting in the car, every praise to our God. Like, like we're going off, and little Kirk Franklin, come on, somebody, a little stomp, like, like we was excited. Little, you know, <laughs> well, you know little, little Ron Cannoli on the back end of it, just, 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 just praising God. And, and so we went down in D.C., and we, we, we backed the truck up and went upstairs to the top floor. And all of a sudden, I mean, I felt the presence of God. And the, and the owner who did not know Christ came over to us. And he said, he said, uh, man, he says, y'all got the truck? I said, yeah. And he said, man, something. I just feel something about you guys. And I was like, great. And I was like, where the desk at? Come on, I ain't want to talk to him. Where the desk at? <laughs> I got to go, man. I got to put these desks. Y'all know when you're dreaming about something, you can already see the furniture set up. I got to decorate. <laughs> so he said, no, there's something. And he said, There's some other people coming later. But I just feel like, I just want you to go ahead and take everything. I said, what you mean? He said, you can have the computers. You can have the servers. You can have the desks. You can have the chairs. Come on, somebody. You can have, no, 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 I don't think y'all understand. I started shabakking. Come on, somebody. I was all over that. Hey, I. I was taking territory. Come on, I was sitting in chairs. I was walking around. I was saying, we'll take that too. Is this, can I get that too? He said, yeah, you can get that too. I said, can we get that too? He said, no, I I, I told you I'm a little ghetto. I was like, can we get that too? Can we have that secretary over there? Can we have her too? never been so blessed in my life. And then Steve looked at me and said, wait a minute. I said, what? He said, We didn't prepare for all that. I said, what you mean? He said, well, I only rented the size truck to take the desks. I said, what we going to do? He said, we're going to try to stuff everything we can in there. But I had to leave over half a floor there because I prayed for something I didn't prepare for. JC, Kim, if you're going to ask God for it, go ahead and prepare for it. (laughs) South Metro, if you're going to ask God for it, then go ahead and prepare for it. I don't think I have never had more regret in my life That I prayed for a miracle and didn't prepare and make provisions and didn't clean out enough space, didn't sanctify enough to prepare for what God wanted to do in me and through me. I'm talking to somebody that you've been praying for your marriage, but you haven't prepared yourself to go to counseling. I'm talking to somebody that God has given you a big vision, but you think it's too big and you're not preparing for what I'm here to tell you. South Metro, the God is about to blow your mind. This is not something I just say at every church. I really feel that you haven't seen nothing yet. I really feel like you're just getting started. I really feel like you're going to have to prepare for more campuses. I really feel you're going to have to equip more leaders. No, 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 I don't think you understand, church. That's just not something I'm talking to the pastors. I really feel like you're going to have to give more than you've ever given. You're going to have to sacrifice more than you've ever sacrificed because God wants to trust you with a miracle. You sing about I believe in miracles in worship. And if you believe in miracles, then you'll go ahead and start preparing for miracles. What The last thing you want to do is pray for something that you don't make room for in your heart. I thank God that God has accelerated us through the years. And what I thought was lost, that day God has redeemed. Got a call Sunday. The Lord gave me a message last week called Prepare the Nets. Actually, the message was called Fishing for Sheep. You can go on our app at uh, at i5 city if you want to and listen to it. But the Lord told me that that we ought to prepare the nets. And I was like, God, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I, I need you to, I need you to, I need you to pass to the people a different way. I need you to, I need you to wrap your arms around your church. I need you to prepare leaders. I need you to prepare the money. I need you to prepare the campuses. I need you to make margin in the finances to prepare the nets. Because I'm about to pour out so much, just like the disciples when they switched to the other side of the boat. I'm about to bring in a harvest. And I said, okay, and I prophesied to our church that, that day, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Prepare the nets. I didn't know what it mean on the way home from church. I'm, I mean, probably about 125 people came to, came to Christ that that Sunday and God moved. It was the first time I ever preached a message just that the Lord gave me in the moment. No notes. No, I just opened my Bible and and gave a scripture, and the Lord was telling me, I want you to be less professional and more prophetic. And so I, I preached out of God's word, and I'm, I'm going home, and I get a call from a, from a pastor who was on a board of a, of a, of a major denomination, and he says, hey, I, we, we've heard all the stuff you're doing in outreach in Baltimore City, and, and uh, we have two churches that are declining, and we want to shut those churches down, and we want to give you the building. I said, I don't know what happened, but I got ghetto again. I was like, excuse me? And he said, I wanna, I wanna give you the building. I said, you mean for free? He had to make sure, y'all know what I'm talking about? And he was like, yeah. And he said, there's a meeting coming up in the next few weeks, that we're gonna meet with this organization that's not our background, that's not our denomination. I honestly believe that this is a season that God is, is doing miracles to people he can trust that won't make it about themselves. Can you stand to your feet with me? I want to call you forward. I know time is late, but if you're, if you're believing God for something, if you're ready to cross over, if you're tired of being stuck in a layover season, I want you to come to this altar. I want to pray for you. Come on, come on. Every, no head bows and eyes closed. Just, just walk up. God wants to do something amazing in your life. God wants to do something amazing in your church. There is power in the name
0: of Jesus.
1: Come on. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name
0: of Jesus.
1: To break every chain break every chain. Will you just lift your hands? There is power. Come on. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus.
0: There
1: There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you just put your hands up. God, I pray right now that these aren't hands, but these are spiritual antennas like a cell tower. God, for you to know the condition of every heart, the condition of every mind, the condition of every motion of every person in this church. Father, I pray, God, that in this next season that they would leave the layover season and cross into the land of milk and honey that you have designed for them to cross over into. Father, I pray, God, in the next season that you would release supernatural favor over every single person, that you would release an anointing, God, that would demolish arguments and strongholds, that there would be a generational blessing, God, that there would be generational legacy. God, marriages are coming back together again. God, children who have gone wayward are coming back home. God, there's another level of praise, another level of worshipers. God, I pray that you send the harvest. God, that you prepare the workers god that you prepare the ground we are taking more ground at south metro church you ain't seen nothing yet will somebody give god a praise up in this house